0: Internal Medicine Physician with Hennepin County Medical Center. With more Healthy Matters. And good morning. On this first day of October, welcome to this edition of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. Good to see Dr. David Hilden back in studio. Good morning, Danny. And I thank uh, Steve Thompson for filling in while I was on that Good Neighbor tour this past It's always days. good. But did you have a good tour? And a great tour. You Learned were out east. Lot. You
1: were seeing all the, the sights of the, the government and history. Something I had, ne- history, I had right? never
0: seen before. You know, Gettysburg, walking through those fields and uh, uh, seeing part of the Smithsonian and New Yorktown and wow. That must have been powerful. Stuff. It really was.
1: I'm glad to see you back. I thought you might be running the Twin Cities Marathon.
0: Yeah, I would have, but I, yeah, gotta, I, th- I bet you would have. You know I've, uh, yes, you know I would be there if I didn't have to be here.
1: I know what, what a lover of running you are. For <laughs> listeners who don't know, Denny always thinks I'm somewhat one you know sandwich short of a picnic for running marathons yeah. at all. Yeah. Anyway, to all unless the unless you're being chased by a tiger. <laughs> so you're if you're not listening in downtown Minneapolis in about 25 minutes, the runners for the Twin Cities Marathon are leaving on a cold, windy, blustery, rainy day. But you've
0: done a lot of marathons, I've and this is not good for the. Runners.
1: No, well the the rain gets a little old. Yeah. You know, um, cold is okay. Cold is actually pretty good because everybody overheats on marathons. But the the rain's a bummer because. If you're a run, long-distance runner, you know you spend a great deal of money on your shoes, and part of it is to buy the lightest-weight shoes you can. You want these little lightweight shoes that give good support. Well, it takes about one minute of a downpour to make your two hundred dollars lightweight shoes into a bunch of heavy, you know, sponges. wet sponges. So it's um, it, the rain's kind of a bummer. But to all the runners, I know none of them are listening because they're all out stretching and things, but. To all the runners, I hope you have a great run today, regardless of the conditions. I had a, I had one race, and I'm standing at the starting line in a downpour, literally in a downpour. And the announcer says, this is the one you're going to remember. So you remember the downpours. You don't remember the beautiful sunny days.
0: Well, we're not going to be doing a topic of running today. But we still will be inviting our listeners to join in via phone and text. What is our topic today?
1: We're going to talk about kids and their teeth and oral health. It's a topic we have not done in nine years on the show. We've had kids topics before, but this is a great one, that um, we have some really good expertise at HCMC um, in, in oral health, in pediatrics and in dentistry. So I'm going to introduce my three guests that I have in the studio today. And people might not know that listening to the show who know about HCMC, you know about some of the things we're really um, known for, and rightfully so. But you might not know that one of our larger departments is pediatrics. You might not know that we have an incredibly diverse and wide range of services in dentistry. Um, run by my good friend Mary Syro. So, uh, it's an amazing program in both pediatrics and dentistry. So, I got some folks from both of those departments to help me out. Starting us out is Dr. Eileen Crespo. She's a pediatrician, and um, apparently, you did your schooling in New York or something, Eileen? Anyways, welcome to welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, David.
1: So, tell me, where are you from? What you did? You went to school in peds in New York. Uh,
2: I'm actually originally from New York City. Um, yeah, and I went to medical school in Buffalo, New York, and. Then I met my husband there, and he's from St. Cloud, and that's how we ended up here. Well, he
1: dragged you here. He did. Kick her husband's screaming. a surgeon. I know her <laughs> husband. His name's John. And so it's his fault that you had to come to the upper Midwest. Yes. I didn't know that. How chart. do you like it?
2: Um, you know, I'm getting used to it. It's been 20 years, so it's, it's, it's growing on me. <laughs> so
1: you're, you're a pediatrician. Tell me about your practice, and specifically, how did you get interested in oral health? Uh, but for listeners, I'm going to introduce a couple of pediatric dentists next, but you're a pediatrician, not a dentist. How did you get interested in this topic?
2: Um, well, uh, when I finished my residency and started my practice, uh, I noticed that each week I was uh, having to see multiple patients and getting them ready for the operating room. Uh, to have their teeth pulled or capped, uh, and I thought it was unusual because i'd never i 'd never been aware that kids actually needed general anesthesia to ha- to take care of cavities so uh, as I continued to see every week multiples uh, of children requiring um, sedated procedures to take care of their cavities, uh, I myself just started um, just educating myself more about uh, why this was happening and why in certain populations. Um, because at HCMC, I specifically um, have a predominantly Latino practice. Uh, More than 90% of my patients speak Spanish, and I'm fluent in Spanish. Uh, And I noticed that it seemed like all of my patients were going to the operating room. So uh, I just started to do more education uh, of the families uh, and really got interested in it. And then probably more than 10 years ago, we started putting fluoride varnish on during well-child visits, uh, which is something that has become kind of main practice now. In pediatrics? In pediatrics. You do, So, uh, so that's really where my interest started, and uh, it's something that I'm really passionate about, and some might say somewhat obsessed about. Uh, is trying to decrease the rates of cavities in young children.
1: What a great thing! I love that. To joining you and me, and we have um, we have asked a couple of uh, pediatric dentists, um, uh, and so I'm going to introduce them. Dr. Andrea Leyland is a pediatric dentist. She is in the show today uh, in the studios with us, as well as Elizabeth Fulling, and both of you are. Um, you specialize in kids mostly. Maybe Andrea, you want to start us up. Where are you from?
3: I'm from Buffalo, New York.
1: Oh, get out of here! Are you both from Buffalo? Well, we- Eileen's from Buffalo. You, you, you I also?
3: Was born in Buffalo, New York, and I also trained at University of Buffalo, like Doctor Crespo did.
1: Get out! Yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Uh, you too, Elizabeth, down there. No. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> I have been to Buffalo once. I think there were about eight feet of snow on the ground the one time I was there. <laughs> Uh, So tell me about your practice. You're a pediatric dentist. How did you get involved in that?
3: So I was a general dentist for seven years before I decided to go into peds because I really liked kids, but I was in the Navy for four years and, um, now that I'm over 40, it seems like those 18-, uh, 19-, and 20-year-olds are like kids. But I was yeah, their first. Really, an 18-year-old really, naval seaman probably seems they young. They are really young. But I was their first dentist for many of them, and it was shocking. They actually had never been to the dentist before. And they would bring their parents to come meet their dentist because they were so excited to have the dental work done. And they were so thankful to have that, you know, opportunity to see the dentist in the Navy, that I knew that I wanted to go out and treat kids before they reached the teen and early twenties. I knew I wanted to go treat kids that were younger and have the opportunity to see a dentist.
1: Did did they have literally no dental care all the way up to age eighteen?
3: That is correct. What did
1: their teeth look like? Was it just, this sounds awful, but was there just like a cesspool of badness in there, or most did?
3: <laughs> I got to know some of the um, Marines and Navy Seamen really well. Because they did, they had multiple cavities. Sometimes it would be almost every tooth. So they had multiple, multiple visits, and we became close as they would come back and have all of their teeth done. So it was really interesting hearing where they came from and the fact that there weren't dentists in their area or they didn't have insurance or the opportunity to go.
1: Wow. Um, And and just quickly before I get to Dr. Filling, how did you land in Minnesota?
3: So, um... A pediatric dentist was retiring at HCMC, and my husband is also a physician at HCMC, and he was recruited to run the hyperbaric chamber, so we thought we'd come. <laughs>
1: awesome. All right, fun. so my, my last guest is uh, Dr. Elizabeth Fuling. She is also a pre- pediatric dentist who is apparently not from Buffalo, New York. <laughs> that
4: is true. Where are you from, Elizabeth? <laughs> I'm originally from St. Louis, Missouri.
1: Uh, okay, you're from St. Louis. Uh, so um, how did you end up in Minnesota, and how did you end up in pediatric dentistry?
4: Um, well, I ended up in dentistry. Eileen and David, I think you'll appreciate that. Um, this, both of my parents are physicians. And they said, never become a physician. You should become a dentist. Because <laughs> What <they> wise were, <laughs> parents you have. They were always envious of the dentist's um, work week. So <laughs> that's how I got into dentistry. And um, as I was going through dental school um, and immediately afterwards, I wasn't quite satisfied with the complexity of adult dentistry. So I elected to work with Children, Because I love working with children and also because it's more of a behavioral specialty really than a procedural specialty. And that's, that's particularly what I love about
2: it.
1: So, that's that's yeah. super cool. So, so there you have it. We have Dr. Eileen Crespo, Dr. Andrea Leyland, and Dr. Elizabeth Fulling. Um, we're going to talk about pediatric oral health, particularly dental health as you know, is basically what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to go back to you, Dr. Crespo, and, and say, why does this matter? Um, um, a little, just give your thoughts. Um, uh, we just have a couple minutes before the break, but give your thoughts about the role of kids oral health in their overall kind of development and health, if you could.
2: Uh, This, I think, is actually vitally important. What we know in pediatrics uh, is that it's a practice mostly of prevention. We are uh, meeting families and young children as they're developing their lifelong habits, uh, and the things that they do when they're young really kind of carry through as they age and kind of grow up. Uh, So if we can incorporate um, oral health good routines, um, healthy diet, uh, we know that those things um, – tend to kind of go with families. So I start uh, with counseling regarding oral health very, very young. Uh, The recommendations now are to start brushing teeth as soon as they erupt. So that means uh, six-month-olds with that single little tooth should be having their teeth brushed every day, twice a day, uh, with toothpaste, uh, and I um, spend time talking about that and showing families what the amount of toothpaste is that they should be using, um, because we know that kids get used to their routines, um, and if they can start as young as possible, uh, it becomes less of a struggle. Um, not that toothbrushing can't be a struggle. Uh, I have many families tell me that they can't get their kids' teeth brushed, and they don't like it, and they cry, um, but like everything else that they do for their children, I I. Um, let parents know it's akin to immunizations, which I also think are vitally important, uh, that in the same way that immunizations, you know, hurt, um, but it, parents do them because they know they're really important uh, and they're doing something uh, that they're, it's for their child's health. So I, I think that helps. I never knew
1: that about the brushing. I have two kids. They're both college age now, but I, I, I'm going to confess to all three of you, I don't think I did that. I don't think we brushed our kids' teeth when they were six months old and they were first coming out. Okay, so Eileen, say a teeny bit more about that. Is Do you buy, like, the world's smallest toothbrush, and, and, and how much toothpaste do you use? Uh,
2: actually, so they are child-sized toothbrushes. Uh, if you go to any uh, any store, actually, so Target, Walmart, wherever you shop, uh, and you go to the dental section, they have tiny little toothbrushes. Um, but really for six-month-olds who have one or two you know, teeth, you can actually use just a washcloth. Uh, you just want to apply a very small amount of, of fluoridated toothpaste. You need to have fluoridated toothpaste. I tell the residents all the time, uh, non-fluoridated toothpaste is like using water. You don't need to spend money on that because that actually is not going to help their teeth. Uh, so just using a very small amount uh, that we uh, tell families is akin to a rice-sized grain. So, like, just a tiny little bit, um, because they usually have one or two or four teeth, depending on the child. Because you don't want them
1: swallowing it, right?
2: You don't want them swallowing it, but they will. Um, You don't want them swallowing mass quantities of it. So, actually, a small amount, you know they're going to swallow it, and that's okay, as long as it's a very small amount.
0: All right, let's take our usual break. Right now, we invite our listeners to join in, either by phone or by text. We're already receiving some text messages. The phone number is 651-989-9226. Text number is 81807. Uh, Light rain now falling in the Twin Cities. Temperature reading on this Sunday morning, October 1st, 57 degrees. Right now in the Twin Cities, 57 degrees uh, and light rain uh, this Sunday morning. If you're just joining us, uh, we're in the midst of our Healthy Matters show. We're talking about pediatric oral health. And always welcome your phone calls and text messages. uh, 651-989-9226, that's the number. There is a line open. uh, Or uh, text us at 81807. Here again is Dr. Hilden.
1: Thanks a lot, Denny. We are indeed talking about pediatric oral health and dentistry. Um, I do want to, um, there's a couple other sort of housekeeping things. I, I do want to tell people about a really, really exciting thing happening next March, late March of 2018. HCMC has, is constructing and is 90% done building the state of Minnesota's most state-of-the-art um, clinic and specialty center at the corner of 8th and Park in downtown Minneapolis. In that six-story building of extremely state-of-the-art, patient-centered, warm, opening clinic space. We have two new clinics, the pediatric clinic, of which um, Dr. Crespo is going to practice, and also we have uh, the Delta Dental Oral Health Center, which is going to be a state-of-the-art dentistry clinic in downtown Minneapolis, and that's where Dr. Leyland and Dr. Fuling will be. In addition, we're starting a new pediatric dental residency. So in the second half of the show, I'm going to talk to our guests about that. One other thing, if you are a tweeter... Go to my Twitter account because right now I tweeted a picture of Dr. Crespo. And um, uh, um, yesterday she was part of our pediatric uh, teddy bear clinic at the emergency department that I had been talking about, and you can see a picture of her uh, uh, in a beautiful young child. And that's at my Twitter account, which is dr. David Hilden, Doctor David Hilden, all one word. Check it out on Twitter, and you can see Dr. Crespo do in her element with kids. Okay, I want to talk to um, you, Andrea and Elizabeth, our two dentists. Why do cavities matter? So here's the deal. That's my question. Now a little background. Don't your baby teeth just fall out anyway? You get a cavity, you get a hole in the tooth, who cares? Why does it matter? Who wants to tackle that one?
4: I can take that one. All right, thanks. Um, So the reason that cavities matter in baby teeth are because baby teeth matter. So even though they fall out for a period of um, 6 to 12 years, they play a really important role in a child's life. So they're crucial for um, eating and adequate nutritional intake, Um, for speech and articulation, um, and for self-esteem and psychological well-being. Um, So so baby teeth have an important function, and we want to make sure that we preserve that function. Um, The other problem with cavities is if they get large enough, they can cause um, a child to have pain or infection. Um, And, you know, pain in teeth can interfere with with their ability to eat comfortably. And when children are underweight or have nutritional deficiencies, that can affect um, cognitive development, physical development. Um, You know, children in dental pain often have a hard time focusing in school. Um, They may miss school days. They can be irritable. Um, And in its most extreme and severe form, um, dental cavities can and have in occasional situations led to death. So it's really important to um, take care of those cavities.
1: So So what exactly is it? Is it a hole in your tooth? Is that what a cavity is? Is it literally it's just a hole that happens because you didn't brush and you got back? But what causes it? I don't quite get it.
4: Sure. So it is basically a hole. Um, dental caries, which is the medical term for a cavity. Yeah, caries is the term, Yes. Right? Okay. Um, is actually um, a transmissible disease so it's caused by specific bacteria that um, have learned how to adhere to the tooth structure. And these bacteria, bacteria are also really good at taking sugar that we bring in through our mouth um, and converting it into acid. So that acid against the tooth structure causes the tooth to demineralize or dissolve. So a cavity is an area where the tooth has actually lost the mineral.
1: Okay. So now maybe, um, uh, maybe Andrea, you could answer this. What do you do about it? You know, you get a kid with a hole in his or her tooth. What do you do about it? Do you put that silver stuff in there like I still have in my mouth from 1972? Is that what you do?
3: So it depends on how big that hole or cavity is. Um, there's lots of different options, and it also depends on how old the child is. So um, silver that's probably in your mouth is amalgam. Um, amalgam? Um, amalgam? It's not literally – So that's, it's not like sterling silver right? or something. It's, a, it's not worth anything. No. <laughs> Um, Another option is a white tooth-colored filling, which is called composite. And what we do a lot of is we do stainless steel crowns, and that's because those back baby molars are typically in the mouth till kids are 12 or 13. So literally it could be 7th or 8th grade before those baby teeth are falling out. And those crowns last a long time. Kids do a lot of grinding, and we want those um, restorations, crowns, fillings to last for a long time. And there's lots of different ways to do it. Um, We have laughing gas. We have TVs. We sing to the kids. Like Elizabeth was saying before, behaviorally, we try to make it the most positive experience that we can to get the work done.
1: Seriously, you sing to the kids as you're like this. I never had a dentist like this. My dentist didn't wear gloves. I mean, he had hairy hands. I'm still traumatized by it. This was in the seven. He was a great dentist. But I still remember he didn't wear gloves. He had hairy hands. You sing and have TVs? I want to come to your dental clinic. <laughs> do adults ever ask if they can come? They do.
3: All of the parents are like, can I come here? Can I come here? And Dr. Fulling and I say, no, we just do children. <laughs> we, just, we just
1: do kids. You can't come here. Okay, so um, we have a number of text messages, and a couple of them are about those baby teeth. And so if I could ask any of you to answer this question, my grandson is 14 months old. And still has not gotten his first tooth. Should there be a concern?
2: I I can tackle that. Uh, this is Dr. this is Crespo. Doctor Crespo. Okay. Um, so actually, delayed uh, tooth eruption is actually pretty common. Uh, we see it um, often. I would say um, uh, less than five percent. But so it's something that I've seen a number of times. Uh, I um, there's some research showing that delayed uh, tooth eruption is actually uh, associated with decreased uh, cavities. So, if there aren't teeth there, obviously there's no cavities that can form. Uh, in general, if the child is otherwise healthy, um, they usually the teeth will come, and they uh, oftentimes will come kind of all together. So, teething for those kids uh, can be uh, all those poor very parents very uncomfortable. But uh, yeah, they usually do come. So,
1: so what's normal <laughs> when when would when, when should people see their their child's first tooth, Doctor Foling.
2: Sure.
4: So, um, typically, the first tooth to come into the mouth is the. The central are so the very um, middle tooth on the bottom arch, and and um, a sort of a normal range for eruption of that tooth is between five to eight months. But like Dr. Crespo said, we do see a really wide variation in in um, the age in which kids begin to to get their teeth.
1: I knew somebody who I think their kid was born with a tooth that it come out. Does that happen, or is that a myth?
4: No, that that is a reality. Um, yeah. So that's that's called a natal tooth or a needle neonatal tooth um, if it if it comes in around the age of birth. Um, so we do see those in, in a certain percentage of children, and it's usually their normal tooth that has just come in
1: Very prematurely. Just came in a little bit early. So we are talking about pediatric dental health. We have a number of of text messages that we're going to get to after the top of the hour break. Also, if you want to chat with us, you can give us a holler and we'll talk on uh, on the air. I have have Dr. Elizabeth Fulling, Dr. Andrea Leyland, and Dr. Eileen Crespo, all experts, pediatricians and dentists in oral health. And so we'll be uh, um, carrying on in the second half of the show talking about your child, your grandchild's teeth. And if
0: you want to make an appointment, there's always that famous number to
1: call. The number is easy, 612-873-MYMD. That stands for 612-873-6963. If you want to get in touch with any of our providers at HCMC, including the three doctors on the show today, um, you might not know about our amazing pediatrics and dentistry um, departments, 612-873-6963.
3: Welcome to Play It,
4: a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
0: And good morning. Welcome back to this edition of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. Dr. Hilden in studio with the guests and, in fact, if you're joining us a little bit late, uh, maybe we could kind of step back a little bit and tell everybody uh, on this Sunday morning, 1st of October, who you brought with. We have a whole studio filled.
1: We have a studio filled. We're talking about kids and their dental health. We're talking to Dr. Eileen Crespo, a pediatrician with a special interest in kids and their teeth. We also have Dr. Andrea Leyland, who is a pediatric dentist, and Dr. Elizabeth Fulling, who is also a pediatric dentist. And these are the experts you want to go see or you want your children, or you want your grandchildren to go see. Um, if you've been listening to the first half of the show, my first impression was, boy, if I, my kids were, well, if they weren't young adults now, these are the people I'd want them to go see, and you, um, I would encourage you as well. They they practice at our HCMC um, uh, practice here in downtown Minneapolis, and we have, um, if you're not familiar, HCMC has clinics all over the western, northern, and southern metro area. We have clinics that are, we a system of health care, Clinics. We're in the North Loop of downtown Minneapolis. That's our newest clinic. We have the Whittier Clinic in South Minneapolis. We're in Brooklyn Park, Brooklyn Center, Richfield. We're on East Lake Street over by the river. We're in Golden Valley. And of course, we're in downtown Minneapolis. The number to reach any of our doctors, including our dentists, is 612-873-6963. I also want to encourage you to go to the blog. It's called MyHealthyMatters.org. Just take the name of this show, put the word my in front of it, make it all one word, MyHealthyMatters.org. I have a little blurb about acupuncture and chiropractic. If you were listening two weeks ago, I had a couple of uh, practitioners, Dr. Peter Polsky and Robert Crane were in. And so if you want to learn more about that, you want to listen to a podcast of this show or any of our previous shows, you just go to MyHealthyMatters.org accessing the podcast is very easy many hundreds of people do it every month and you can listen to the show on your own time so back to dental health we were talking a little bit about cavities and 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 the importance of baby teeth and the like i'd like to shift gears a little bit to diet um, and what kids are eating and its effect on health if we could the reason i want to do that is um i'm getting some text messages about that and i'm also quite curious about it and um So do you want to start with that one, Eileen? Um, What about diet and dental health? Um, My kid drank a lot of Mountain Dew, you know, things like that. Does it matter what we eat and our teeth?
2: Absolutely. Uh, This is something that I spend a lot of time counseling on during our well-child visits when kids are coming for their annual checkups. Uh, So even starting from very, very young children, uh, the role of juice uh, in diets. Um, Too many kids drink too much juice. Uh, The AAP just recently recommended no juice uh, for children under two years of age. Uh, Really?
1: Those little juicy boxes things or those sippy cups that we used to fill with juice?
2: (laughs) (laughs) That parents love to have and are so portable, and uh, kids uh, are able to have them in their little backpacks. uh, So why not? What's the problem? uh, Well, juice contains sugar, uh, lots and lots of sugar. uh, And sugar is what um, bacteria in your mouth use uh, to create acid, and that leads to cavities. So, uh, the best thing for kids to be drinking is water. Uh, we usually, I usually recommend water and low-fat milk for most kids. Um, uh, between meals, uh, they should be drinking water. Uh, they shouldn't be uh, carrying on a juice cup and they certainly shouldn't be using a bottle after 12 months of age. Uh, that is something I also spend a lot of time counseling on. We have many families uh, who are dependent on bottles um, uh, during the day and at nap time and bedtime. Uh, and that is one of the kind of highest risk behaviors is, uh, drinking um any any beverage that contains sugar at um naptime or or bedtime,
1: so is the problem the sugar in the bottle, or is the problem the sucking motion on the bottle?
2: It's the sugar in the bottle yeah uh, so I tell families for those kids who love that bottle or or who can't sleep, parents will tell you that the kids can't sleep if they don't drink milk at night or drink juice. Uh, They can have all the water that they want, uh, but what parents will find out that it's a behavioral issue and they just want that milk. So if you give them a bottle of water, they will kind of be very unhappy and sometimes throw that uh, bottle out of the crib or wherever they are um, uh, because it's really not thirst. It's the the habit that they have. It's actually called a trained night feeder. There's actually a diagnosis and a a billing code for that.
1: (laughs) So for for you, Andrea and Elizabeth, the the dentist in the studio, um, do you see... um, what do you tell families when they say, yeah, but my kid, everyone's got Mountain Dew, and I don't want to pick on Mountain Dew, everyone's drinking juice, and at the soccer game, the job of the parent is to bring the juice boxes. So how do you fight against that kind of cultural trend?
3: It definitely is. That was our station at the Teddy Bear Clinic yesterday. We had all of the drinks that the kids loved to have, juice boxes, chocolate milk boxes, I don't want to pick on any one thing. And we put little things of sugar next to it so you could visualize how much sugar was in those drinks. And people were surprised. The kids were surprised. The parents were surprised. And so I have kids, so I'm going to tell parents – I can't say you can never have those things because that would be totally unrealistic. But if you're having a birthday party or a pizza night or a special occasion, then absolutely enjoy that one pop or juice box. But not have it be an everyday thing. Not an everyday thing.
1: Yeah, that's <clears throat> excuse me. That's probably really good advice. I remember growing up with just the Kool Aid in the envelopes, and I think we we I think we took snow shovels full of sugar and put it. You remember that, Denny? Oh. oh, yes. <laughs> Remember that stuff? You'd, you'd buy that sugar. Literally, you'd take like a cupfuls of it and throw it in there. But that was obvious to us. It's probably a little less obvious to parents now.
3: We also get, I have organic juice or... Um it's juice, isn't it healthy? And that's got to be better than lemonade, but it all has sugar in it. And some people think that sugar's only in candy, but it's in carbohydrates, it's in cookies, chips, crackers, things that kids eat every day. And you just have to do things in moderation.
1: Could we talk a little bit about the mechanics of kids and their development? It's a little bit of a, a, a shift to something else because it also comes from a text messenger. And I was alluding to that with a bottle. And apparently the bottles maybe are sort of okay. But this text message is, is about pacifiers and the like. When you, um, in your dental clinic, see you know kids and children, some of them have been sucking on pacifiers for a long time. Is that okay?
4: Um, so. Having a child um, used to a sucky motion is is physiological and normal up to a certain point. So um, bottles, breastfeeding, pacifiers are normal. Um, Prolonged use of those can um, alter the way that the teeth um, sit in the mouth and can create what we call malocclusions, so a disorder of the way the teeth fit together. So we try to recommend to parents that they start to discontinue those pacifier habits by the age of three. If habits are discontinued early enough, then the teeth can go back to their more natural position, and we don't see any lasting harmful effects from those habits.
1: I remember we had to, I think, literally— I think we had to hide the things, or we had to. <laughs> you might see that I mean, in your practice. And parents are saying, "I can't, I can't rest that pacifier away from my kid." And you got like this five year old who's got a pacifier, and you're burying them in the yard trying to get rid of them so they can't find them. It just seemed like it wasn't something we we're supposed to do. Um, let's again on the mechanics and the growing in of your teeth. We have a texter um, calling. Or, or contacting us about braces and the like, and, and what time that sort of might happen. So this says my grandson got braces at age eight. This is a many-year process. He had plenty of space between his teeth. Why so early? My kid's only started at twelve. So again, about the about the the your teeth growing in. Is that normal?
3: That is normal. That's it's that's, normal. That's normal. Um, orthodontist- ah, Dr.
1: Leland, I thought you were going to say no, no, no. That's really early.
3: Um, every child's growth and development is different. Girls are faster than boys. Um so every child's different, and they can be evaluated by an orthodontist as early as seven years old. Um, sometimes, for some children, it's better to wait till all of the adult teeth fall out, and like you said, move forward at the age of twelve with their braces. But some people have other issues and need a little intervention earlier, and can start braces as early as eight, and that is normal. It's that is normal. Phase wow. one orthodontics.
1: That's called phase one. Yes. <laughs> How many phases are there? Two,
3: typically. Oh, there's two.
1: Okay. <laughs> I, I was afraid we were going to talk about, you know, there's you know, phase four, five, and six. Okay, we have to take a break. We're Just talking about one. dental health um, uh, today on the show.
0: And if you uh, have a question, you can uh, bring it to us either by phone or by text, 651-989-9226, or uh, send us a text, 81807. In the Twin Cities, mostly cloudy skies, our CCO temperature reading holding at 57 degrees. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to this portion of Hennepin County Medical Center's Healthy Matters. We're talking about pediatric oral health this morning, welcoming, as usual, your phone calls and text messages. And as Dr. Hilden said, we have a lot of text messages uh, to uh, to pour through. Should we get back to some of those? Let's
1: do that. Um, I want to talk a little bit. Of, um, I want to circle back to Dr. Crespo in her pediatric practice when when we were talking about juices and there's too much sugar and how do you get your kids not to, to to do that, What, how do you help parents in counseling their kids with that? Do they just want you to do it, or how do you how do you empower parents in that way? Uh,
2: it's something that I, we wanted to be sure we covered today uh, is that I will often have a parent uh, ask me to tell their 2- or 3-year-old um, not to eat candy or not to drink juice, uh, and I, uh, of course, refuse um, because a 2- or 3-year-old doesn't, um, you know, pick his own diet or buy things from the store. Obviously, only the parent or grandparent, auntie, uh, whoever uh, is around that child who is providing those um, unhealthy snacks. Uh, so I definitely put it right back on the parents. And I uh, I say, who, who buys the food at your house and who makes the decisions about what your child eats? Um, and parents kind of sheepishly admit, of course, that they are the ones who uh, provide all things for their children. Uh, so it's it's something that is um, developmentally normal for children to want to eat candy and eat treats, uh, and it's the parent's job to really control the amount uh, that that is really getting to their child. So, uh, again, uh, it's, we do, I spend a lot of time doing a lot of counseling uh, during well-child visits and multiple other visits uh, as I uh, review their growth charts, look at their weight, um, and certainly during well-child visits, talking about their teeth and oral health. Um, so it's something that I really feel strongly about. That's a
1: great point. I mean that's a really good point you, who's in charge here? you know who's buying the food for that three year old yeah
2: who goes back the to candy? the right it's its the basics of parenting is parents are you know providing all things for their children, they're setting the example um they're buying food, they're setting bedtime you know routines and schedules um and if they're not doing that uh um I, as a pediatrician, I feel like I need to call them out on that and just say don't you know don't don't try to tell me that your two-year-old uh, doesn't go to bed till one o'clock in the morning, um, because that's only happening because you're allowing it. Because you're allowing so. it.
1: You have a complicated practice, all three of you, because you have two patients in the room. You have the kid, and then you have their parents. At least in <laughs> mine, I, you know, I can just yell at the patient right away. I don't. Have... <laughs> I'm going to shift a little bit because we're, we're not don't have a ton of time left. But I wanted to talk about access to care in dental care. There was actually a text message earlier that was more about financing and insurance, and we didn't get to that. But what I really want to talk about is how how families get their kids into dentists. Um, um, Andrea, can you can you talk to, speak to that a little bit?
3: So I come from actually training in Philadelphia for my pediatric dental training, and there were three residencies there, and there were a lot of pediatric dentists. So it was really interesting when I moved here. Um, I went started going to meetings to realize that there aren't that many pediatric dentists in the state. In
1: Minnesota, there aren't. In
3: Minnesota, and then um, the general dentists sometimes feel a little nervous treating the kids. But then looking at it, um, out of 87 counties in Minnesota, only 20 have pediatric dentists, and we knew that we need to have more in the state. Wait a minute. Can I
1: go back to that? There's 87 counties in Minnesota and only 20 of them have a pediatric dentist in the whole county?
3: Correct. As a specialist, yeah. Wow. Okay. So um, we are starting a advanced education in pediatric dentistry residency at HCMC. We just got approved um, and we started... September 1st. So we have our first new resident, and we are excited to have two more next summer. And we're hoping that the people that come through HCMC have the same passion for caring for the patients that we do and that they're going to stick around and continue to do so.
1: That's absolutely fantastic. So this um, program is to train um, specifically pediatric dentists. Correct. As I said at the top of the show, I think some people aren't always clear what everything we offer. At HCMC. And one of the things I try to do on this show is to tell people what we offer. Not to just toot our own horn, but to to let people of Minnesota and the upper Midwest know what they have yeah, um, in terms of the health care systems we have. We're we're blessed with great health care in Minnesota, and I feel extremely fortunate to get to work at HCMC um, for all of the services we offer. And one of the things we haven't um, highlighted so much is the dentistry care and the pediatric care. That we offer, um, and so I I really appreciate hearing that. That not only are we providing that care, but we're helping to train the next generation of. Um, of, uh, providers. Um, while we're still on that point, Andrea, what does a residency in pediatric dentistry look like? These are people that are already dentists and are getting a specific training. Is that what it is?
3: So they get 24 months of advanced education so they can understand the growth and development of children, so they can learn the behavioral techniques to hopefully get the child through the appointment and help them with their oral health. And then they learn um, things about Oral conscious sedation, going to the operating room, things that are beyond what you learn in regular dental school.
1: You mentioned conscious, you know, the sedation issue. I've been curious to this. How do you, how do you um, operate or do cleanings or do cavity work on a kid? Do you do you do you put people? Do you, do you sedate children or what do you do?
3: We do. It depends on the severity of their decay, how many teeth need treatment, if they've had failed appointments before. We always try to be as conservative as we can, but every situation is different.
1: Yeah. Do some kids, do you actually use general anesthesia for some kids?
3: We we do. We go often. Sometimes, like Eileen's saying, we have these three-year-olds, they have 20 teeth and they might have 16 cavities. There's no way that a three-year-old can sit through all of that work. And as we've spoken, to before. It's important that we maintain those teeth for all of those things that Dr. Fulling talked about.
1: Yeah. A three-year-old, I don't think I could sit through that. Yeah. So that, that's incredible. Um, we have Dr. Elizabeth Fuling, Dr. Andrea Eileen Crespo. Um, uh, the, the Dr. Crespo is a pediatrician and Andrea and Elizabeth are pediatric dentists. If you want to get a hold of any of them, um, um, learn more about our practice, go to myhealthymatters.org and I will. Uh, you can hear a podcast of this show, Go to hcmc.org, and you can find um, how to get a hold of them, including making appointments. Or as I like to re- remind people, just give us a holler at 612-873-6963. That's 612-873-6963.
0: And what are we going to be doing next week on the show?
1: I think you're going to try to stump me on an open line show. Uh, so uh, get your health care questions and uh, about anything, although... Maybe not about uh, dental health because, you know, I missed that day in med school. They don't teach us anything about dentistry in med school. So it's an open line show next week.
0: Good deal. We'll see you back here next uh, next week. Thank you very much. Uh, In the Twin Cities, mostly cloudy skies, 57 degrees. Your money straight ahead here on 830 WCCO. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours